tuning in to the Organically Blunt Show, a show dedicated to cannabis and the lifestyle that surrounds it, including cultivation, business, music, food, and everything in between. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and follow us. The content on this show is strictly for educational purposes only. Some things on this show may be considered harmful to some. Organically Blunt does not endorse any harmful activity. If you're not 18 or older, please exit now. This episode is brought to you by Horticulture Lighting Group. The future of horticulture lighting has arrived. Shop the highest yield generating LED lamps in the world. Real efficiency, real yields, made in the USA. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Organically Blunt Show. I am Jay Blaze, your host. And this evening, we have the opportunity to talk with Brandon Rust, from Bokashi Earthworks. And I probably didn't pronounce that right, but welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on. You were uh, pretty close, Bokashi Earthworks. Bokashi is a Japanese word for a type of anaerobic fermentation or of anaerobic composting. Okay. So. Awesome. So we'll, we'll start out the conversation quite simple here. Um, if you don't mind bringing us up to speed, we'll start with where it began for you, because I want to hear your story first, and then we'll get into the Bokashi or Bokashi, however you pronounce it. I apologize once again, but um, we'll get into what that is. So the question we typically start the show out with is we want to know when you first came across cannabis and, and in what form you, you first tried it in. That's that's kind of where we want to start things. Yeah. So I uh, first tried cannabis when I was probably 14 or 15. I can't remember the exact age that I was. Um, and it was just dirt weed. I think it might have actually just been like sh like a trim leaf maybe from somebody from somebody's dad's harvest or something when we were kids. Uh, one of the friends had like a big brown bag of it. And so all, all of our friends, you know, had – you know, sandwich bags full of stuff. It wasn't anything special, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, strong enough to get us high, make us, you know, give us a head change. So definitely nothing, nothing special though. <laughs> You're just smoking feedback then. Right. We all kind of started out there. So, you know, with that being said, let's fast forward things a little bit here. How did you get into, doing you know bokashi and do are you a, are you a grower yourself i mean nowadays or did you kind of get out of it and you just don't have time i just out of curiosity's sake sure um so you know i started cultivating i think back in the beginning of 2002 and I was working with a couple of OGs that kind of brought me under their wing. And I'd been cultivating for, I think, probably like, I don't know, I want to say maybe like 11 years. 2002, I switched over to organics in uh, 2014, I think it was. So, uh, what is that? 
12 years. I ran, I ran, uh, hydro for about 11 years and then I switched over to, uh, soil, but I was still using fertigation salts. I think I was using house and garden nutrients in soil. Um, and then I went completely organic and I was actually on a, a Facebook group called the Probiotic Farmers Alliance. I'm pretty sure it's still around today. It was a really small group back then, and it was just about organic farming. And uh, there was a company at the time called Grow Kashi, and they were manufacturing this uh, microbial uh, biofertilizer, this organic biofertilizer, which was essentially a inoculated um uh, brand substrate, like a wheat brand substrate that had some like uh, mineral amendments and stuff in it. And uh, I was using that in my organic regimen at that time. And uh, I was using enough of it. And I, and I, you know, knew how to make it. I found out how to make it. And I, you know, I decided to just start doing it myself uh, because it was far less expensive than, um, than buying it off the shelf. And, you know, I, I took the, the concept of the fermentation and I, and I added to it, you know, I, I added in different mineral amendments, different meals, things like uh, alfalfa meal and, uh, you know, bone meal and just different types of organic amendments along with the brand substrate, uh, to create, you know, top dress, min uh, uh, nutrients that were, you know, you would get the, 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 the benefit of the Bokashi fertilizer is this, you get the mineral nutrient associated with the starting material, um, in a biologically available form to the plant. And then you're also getting a bunch of, uh, probiotic microorganisms that were used to create that. So the fermentation process that happens, it helps proliferate proliferate these probiotic microorganisms so you're adding in microbiology nutrition and then also because it's carbon based it's organic uh, you are adding carbon into the soil so you're getting a a plethora of different benefits um, from the bokashi fertilizer it's not just the the mineral nutrition but it's all of the added benefits that uh, come along with adding more soil organic matter more soil carbon to the to the soil systems and the biology and everything else you know, nutrient okay. cycling, pathogen suppression. It has a lot of uh, benefits other than just the nutrition associated with it as a fertilizer. Definitely, definitely. Now, is now is it considered – I know this might be a dumb question to ask. You There's know, no dumb questions. There's no no dumb questions because everybody's, this, at, a different, everybody's at a different uh, learning uh, sure. you know, a state, and there's a lot of different people that um, – you know, or, uh, could be new to this. So, you know, I, yeah, I yeah. you know, I, I had someone that came in and they had been, you know, it was an older gentleman. He'd been growing cannabis for years outdoor. Um, but he didn't even know about like light cycles. You know, he was going to start an indoor garden and I was trying to gauge what type of knowledge he had so I could help him. So I, I needed to understand what he already knew. So that way I could, you know, find a starting place. And I realized that the start was, it, it, he didn't know really much. You know? Sure. So, sure. There's no, like my questions, no dumb questions. Sure. Kind of like my grandfather. That's where I learned everything I know for the most part. 
on top of you know one of our admins for our Facebook group, she kind of held my hand in the beginning. I've been growing myself for, eh, I want to say on and off since 2009, but when you add it all up, I would say about six years. And um, that's a that's a did, that's a that's a good amount of time to to you know to learn, you know like all the little tips and tricks and to be able to have enough experience to pull something off that's going to be for the most part better than what you're going to find in a store oh definitely definitely you know and we're working with a couple in town micro grows you know which i just toured a few of them and uh that kind of opened the ball of wax for me there um because now i did one and now all the rest that are opening in town want to be on the show too and it's like okay well you know let's check it out and we we did two now and now i got a third one coming on board but you know i've used i've used bokashi before in the past a, a local friend of mine he's actually a geologist and um he um he made some with the company and i didn't know anything about it he's like he he did he, he gave me a bag and me being not paying attention you know i just took the bag and put some on top of my plant and that was that i didn't measure it i didn't i didn't look at the directions or anything i'll be honest and this was right when i first started out and i did the same thing with worm castings you know i threw i just threw i didn't know how much to use and i'm like well whatever i'll just throw it on there and it did okay, but I don't know if I did it right. But the question I was going to ask that I thought was kind of dumb is, you know, some people might not know, but is it considered organic? You know, and that's one thing somebody might want to know, you know, such as myself, I have an autoimmune disease and some people like to go the organic route. So that, you know, they kind of ask what is in it? And that's, sure. that's kind of where I wanted to go with the question sure. was, well, maybe we should start off by asking ourselves what exactly is organic, right? Because sure. the word organic can oftentimes be misleading as something that me might mean safe. Or sure. sometimes it might, someone might associate organic with organic as a practice as opposed to something that is uh, carbon-based. You know, because if we're looking at the true definition of what organic is, it means that it's carbon based. It means that whatever that substance is created, the base of it has carbon in it. Um, and so when when we're looking at it from that aspect versus like the marketing on something that would say organic oh, organically cultivated, like when you see something like that on. A food product for instance it's just marketing that's it right because and this is why when we're looking at what the plant actually utilizes uh they use inorganic mineral ions even if they acquire those ions from the breakdown of organic material um it, it's it's still the way that they take it up is in an inorganic form right for the ma the majority of the things there are some low weight uh, organic compounds like amino acids that can be uh utilized by the plant which are organic compounds there are other organic compounds like phytohormones things of that nature sure, um, sure. 
So if we have to be careful about the terminology that we're using because it's off, it, it often misleads people when they say organically cultivated, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was sustainably cultivated. It does organic doesn't necessarily mean safe. There are things that are or, organic that are uh, that are poisonous, you know. Definitely. Uh, yes. Um, but yes, to get to your question, uh, Bokashi is natural um, and it is safe. And okay. the way that we ensure safety is we test the products that come in. So this is this is how we're currently operating. Any type of organic waste uh, from any type of industry, let's take like a restaurant, for instance. They produce organic waste all the time, all of their leftover food, you know, their scraps, um, bones, all that stuff essentially that can all be ground up and then fermented do it can what what you do is you add um a complex carbohydrate in a consortium of microorganisms some lactic acid bacteria some uh fermentive fungi and uh saccharomy uh and also a purple non-sulfur bacteria and what it does is it it ferments all of that waste and it what it does is it breaks all that down so all these bacteria while they're proliferating and feeding on these carbon sources that are in that parent material they're excreting organic acids and enzymes that are deteriorating the lignin and the cellulose that's in that material or they're degrading that that phosphorus and that calcium that's in that bone and they're and they're converting it into a biologically available form. It's breaking down that and releasing those mineral ions that the plant actually use, right? And a lot of times they're also creating organic compounds during this process that act as natural chelators or um, it acts uh, as a uh, a biochemical claw that holds on to those uh nutrient ions and holds them in a bioavailable form for the plant and so you end up with a substance a carbon-based substance it's usually just turns out like a powdery substance at the end uh, and you dry that out and that can be either applied directly into field applications or into like a pot um, or it can be agglomerated which is they it just use heat and then another um in some it has it just has some other processes and it just pelletizes it to make it into a slow release fertilizer so those are some of the things that we're currently working on that we're going to be scaling out over the next year and the idea is to collect waste from other industries and turn that waste into um biofertilizers now during that fermentation process the the proliferation of all of those microorganisms now those microorganisms once they've broken down that material and there's some more carbohydrates from the feed on they actually encapsulate themselves they they do what's called endosporlation uh, they make endospores they encapsulate their dna and so there's a, a massive amount of these spores associated with this end material 
and all of the that bacteria and that fungus will actually uh, will start to reprocreate again once they have optimal um, temperature, uh, you know, climate and uh, access to water. So once those things get get applied into the soil, you know, and they have access to the the nutrients and all that other stuff, all those organisms will grow, and that'll help create. Uh, new soil, it'll help with water retention, it'll have the benefit of, you know, the nutrient cycling and also the pathogen suppression. So it's got a wide uh, array of benefits and a lot of the stuff you can find online, if you go to places like Google Scholar and you put in Bokashi fertilizer, uh, there's a lot of different benefits and, you know, the idea here is to scale up these types of systems where we're closing loops and taking waste from other industries, diverting them from landfills, and then putting that carbon back into the soil, um, you know, and as part of kind of these, uh, these climate forward green initiatives that are being, um, that are being implemented by like the United Nations and, and, and by the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture. Definitely, definitely, you know, and, and, you know, you just strike the memory with me well, of an article that I just read like a couple of days ago. I'm in Michigan. I don't know where you're residing out of, to be honest, but um, I, uh, we just had a, um, what they call a tree walk park put in. And what they did is they put in this like skywalk, but it's like these tree houses, but it's like the whole path is up in the air. And, um, the, the company purchased like 80 acres and they put this in in Battle Creek, Michigan. And um, they they built a uh, outdoor classroom and they want to teach nature and stuff similar to what you're talking. And one of the things they did and they got asked why they did this was they left three trees that were completely decomposing in place underneath the skywalk and and people were like why did you do that and the guy said do you really here's the question he asked the people and it was do you think that tree has more life in it living or dead and i sat and thought about it for a second i'm like man all the things using it to feed and break it down and all this there's more life in that tree now when it's dead than when it was alive and i'm like this is this is cool that seeing this locally you know definitely when you think about life you have to remember life is carbon based and so uh carbon acts not just as the molecular building blocks that create all of you know organic life but also as an energy source for our uh, all of that life as well and so when we're looking at something like uh, stratiophytic fungi, uh, fungi that are utilizing, you know, dead organic matter, what they're doing is they're breaking that, ma- that organic matter down so they can have access to the carbon and the nutrients. You have okay. these different types of uh, you know, you have different types of metabolisms for different types of bacteria and fungi. And 
that all different types of carbon sources exist. And so when you have, you know, a wide variety of different types of carbon sources in the soil, you get a higher diversity of uh, those microbial populations. And they work you know, synergistically again to help do things like create new soils because they can, there are a lot of bacteria, they'll produce uh, enzymes that degradate uh, inorganic appetite material like uh, that, that contains phosphorus, for instance, and they're able to solubilize that into the phosphate anion or the plant available form of, of phosphate. Uh, and that's a, you know, highly biological dependent process. It's, it's dependent on these um, biochemical reactions. And so there's a lot of processes that are occurring. And when we're adding in a biofertilizer, something that, that stimulates the biology, it helps the plant get the type of nutrition that it needs uh, in a lot of different ways. You know, there's a lot of different elements that are really biologically dependent. Carbon, nitrogen, phosphorus, sulfur, uh, iron. Those are all very highly dependent on some biological processes. Chemical too, you know, definitely. pH. Not there's a lot of different factors. Yeah, definitely. Now, I guess, you know, you've blown my mind, especially the amount of knowledge. It's it's just amazing. But I wouldn't even know where to begin to pick up all anything, even a tidbit of it. But, you know, to be honest, so even in the organic form, there's really no way to pull out all the trace metals, you know, because a lot of people try to shy away from that. And, you know, you look at like, uh, magnesium, it's metal-based, and other forms of nutrients. Most of them is, are metals. I mean, okay. potassium is metal. Sodium okay. is, is, is wow. you know, iron, know zinc, manganese, okay. copper. These things are all iron. These they're all metals. Yep. Yep. You know, there's they're all considered. Uh, metals. So it's it, when you, when we're talking about things that are harmful, like arsenic, for instance, um, the reason why this actually is harmful is because they react similarly on a uh, bio uh, 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 biochemical um, processes. Like, hey, let me give you a, an example. When you have something like gene transcription taking place, sometimes you're going to need um, a certain ion, a certain element, right? And what can happen is it'll pull up the arsenic and the arsenic will replace that element and it'll screw up that coating, you know, or it'll, you know, there's certain cellular processes that'll happen if you get those types of metals, they screw with the internal mechanisms of the plant. Um, here's the thing though, too, there's not really anything to be scared about when it comes to, uh, heavy metals 
for, with what I do because we test all the inputs before we do our processes for the manufacturing of the Bokashi. So what we do is we test them. Uh, we send them off to the University of Lafayette in Louisiana. And we do that for all of our inputs for our soil as well. So any of the inputs like the coffee or hemp meal that we use for our Bokashi or the tea, we send that out for heavy metals testing to make sure it's not contaminated. And we look at it after the process has been done, after fermentation. Um, and, and, and it's the same with the, the soils that we manufacture. So there's tons of different providers of these of these natural minerals you know things like gypsum and epsom salt you know which is magnesium sulfate uh you know things like uh alfalfa meal uh you know the all these things there's there's multiple sources so and if you it's only 10 bucks to to test each of these inputs so it's we're we do our due diligence we're, I'm more than willing to spend $10 to go test different companies' products to see which is the best one to use to make sure that what we're putting into our uh, products as far as like soil manufacturing goes or the things that we're creating at a fer uh, to make biofertilizers don't have those contaminants. It's all about testing. The same thing with the, the agronomy. You know, when we're doing yeah. our soil blends, we're making our soils – you know, we're meeting certain targets, you know, that we send our soil into to the lab and we can see, oh, are we meeting the standard that we need to? And that target is the target that we know meets the specific target for cannabis, you know, so we can look at our calcium PPMs and go, okay, hey, we need 150 to 200 PPM. We know that magnesium is X amount of PPM. We know that potassium is X amount of PPM. And if we're meeting all of those on our tests, we know that that's how that's another way that we can keep our soil consistent as well. Right. It's just all through the through the testing processes. So there's a lot of data uh, looking at stuff, looking at the nutritional profiles of the fertilizers, um, you know, all that stuff. It's important, you know, man, that's impressive. Man, that is impressive. So looking around, you know, I did a little snooping on your guys' website. Not a whole lot because I'm on the road a lot. I do sixty, almost 6,500 miles a month uh, as a driver. and um, But I did get a chance to poke around a little bit. Now, you guys sell, do you guys sell a kit where people can do this at their home? Or do you well, sell so it in a ready, ready format? Or do you do both? Because I've... I, I was doing some digging around just on Google, to be honest, and I seen that they sell like these kits where people can make their own Bokashi at home. But I've also seen it where you can purchase it already ready to go. And that's why I asked. Yeah, so there's – I don't personally sell the Bokashi kits. And what okay. those usually are, those are like little five-gallon buckets yep. with a nozzle on it. And that's actually for food scrap. Okay. Um, recycling and what you would do is you essentially would have either some Bokashi or something like the microbe plus that I have on my website. And every time you add uh, food scraps into there, you just add a little sprinkle of the microbes or a sprinkle of the Bokashi. And what will end up happening is instead of that food, like rotting and, and well, like really smelling bad, it's going to ferment it. And so it's going to break it down 
um, and you just keep piling layers and layers of your spent food. And then after about, you know, 30 to, you know, 40 days, you can empty that bucket out and use it as a, like a fully composted fertilizer that you can add to your garden beds, um, you know, so that way you can grow your, your own vegetables. Sure. Sure. Definitely. That, man, that's interesting. Uh, that, that, you know, and a lot of this stuff, I grew up in a small town right next to an Amish-based town. We're an agriculture, horticulture-based town here that I grew up in. And my grandfather, he was an organic farmer that was 80, and he did everything, you know, with the Epsom and the alfalfa and the blood meal and letting fish decompose and yep. all kinds of cool things. And just the way I'm seeing now that you kind of lightened my eyes here, I remember him having a compost pile and putting all that stuff outside. And I think now, you know, he he could have did it inside and no smell. That's impressive, you know. That's that's came a long ways, you know, from somebody that comes from a small one blinking light town. Well, this isn't new. This this right. has been a method that the Japanese have been using for Man. a very long time. Um, that's impressive and this is just this is just in a bucket and you want it airtight because you don't want air you want it to and you can do this in large compost piles too if you inoculate large compost piles at home you you if you're familiar with it you know that those compost piles can really smell they can go anaerobic oh, yeah. get really and nasty, they get hot get all sludgy or yeah they can yeah. get hot yeah <laughs> you can if you add the microbes the microbial consortium to that composted uh, to that composting material you can do what's called a ferment uh, uh uh you can basically ferment the the compost instead of doing okay. an aerated compost you can do an anaerobic compost and because the that microbial consortium they're flocculative anaerobes which means that they can live in uh low oxygen environments or high oxygen environments and the low oxygen environments that is what causes like the the bacteria that you don't want but the flocculative anaerobes outcompete those and so they don't create the the sulfides and the in the methane compounds that are notorious for making the compost piles smell bad and so you just kind of get more of like a sweet earthy smell when you're using or you should be you know if you if everything's you know going properly with the right okashi composting um but it, again it can be used to scale out waste recycling and um you know that's not all i do to you know there are some other things you know definitely, i do microbe manufacturing here in oklahoma wow. city uh where we actually manufacture the, the catalyst, essentially the microbial catalyst that is used to, to manufacture the Bokashi from the green waste. Um, it's also used as, uh, it can be used to make Bokashi. It can be used for, um, as an inoculant, a soil inoculant to help aid in nutrient cycling and pathogen suppression. It can be used as a, a it's, it can be used as a probiotic, for like livestock feed, it can be used in land and water bio, uh, bioremediation. So the, it has a lot of different applications, that specific pro, uh, product. And then we also have uh, the Humate fertilizer, which is 
It's a carbon-based fertilizer. It was developed by Dr. George Caltizes. He was the engineering director um, uh, in, uh, with uh, NASA during the Apollo space project. And he, you know, eventually went into agriculture and he developed this, uh, this humate fertilizer that is a carbon. It's a, it's a one part fertilizer that contains all of the macro secondary and micronutrients. Um, and they're all in a carbon chelated form. Um, and so he created the, the chemistry, he created the, uh, the engineering of the equipment to, to, manufacture the chemistry the chemi the, the process it's actually organic uh, but they're just taking lignite and then he uses an organic catalyst they mix it together it's a it's a actually green manufacturing where they're just doing basically blending with an organic catalyst and uh using the humate uh, and they're able to pull out all of the uh the elements uh, that are beneficial for plants that's that's in that uh lignite that that humic material so i have that listed on the website and the benefit of that is you get everything all in once you don't have to ph anything when you're using it and uh you're adding carbon back into the soil so you're you can you're essentially stim it you can stimulate the biology in the soil because you're adding that carbon you're increasing the soil organic matter content because again you're bringing in that carbon and then you're bringing in uh, the mineral nutrition in a chelated form, uh, metabolically available form, um, that's not going to react with other elements in the soil. Uh, typically with uh, conventional agrochemicals like diammonium phosphate, for instance, when they disassociate, uh, those, when that salt disassociates in the presence of water, you have a phosphate anion, and then you have a, uh, a nitrogen in, uh, in its um, uh, cationic form. And so that phosphate anion, uh, it doesn't really exist freely in nature very long and it'll actually attach to things like calcium and iron and zinc, and it can lock those things up in soil. Um, so you, you don't get those types of negative uh, interactions when you have things that are carbon chelated. And since it's a carbon chelated, you know, the biology in the soil also has access to that mineral nutrition. So they, they can proliferate as well. Man, that's impressive. Man, you, you, you've blown my mind. Like, I don't even... I don't even know where to begin with that stuff, but definitely it is very interesting. You know, I've always been in the science and growing and things and seeing how you can do it the way you guys put it, it opens up a whole nother book, <laughs> a chapter, whatever you want to call it, of things. And it, I'm impressed. I really am. Definitely. You know, so outside yeah. of you, you doing all this, you know, do you have a favorite strain of your own that you grow or that you've tried that you like to partake with? Uh, yeah, I have a couple stuff that I, you know, hold on to. Uh, I have my lime marilla. I have a death breath and sour cheese berry, which are some cuts uh, that I selected and bred myself. And I've had them for, you know, quite a while now. Uh, I've had the lime marilla 
for oh shit i think i've had that since 2015 i've had the death wow. breath i think since 2016 or 2007 no it was no i got the death breath I actually made that one a little bit later i think uh, I think I may may have made that one in two thousand and eighteen. Definitely. Actually, no. You know what? I made that. No, I made that. I actually made it in I think two thousand and fifteen, but I didn't actually pop the seeds until a few years later after I had uh, gotten out of prison. I think is how that one went down with that death breath. But that's a whole different. Yeah, I, I I listened to that story. Uh, that's where I I came kind of across with and got familiar with you a little bit. I seen you guys were on Cannabis Talk One Hundred and One, and you told your story, and I was like, man, them guys are great over there, you know. And I idolize them, and I'm like, they're like a mentor to me, and I'm like, man, this this is an interesting story, and you know, and not not to say it's a bad thing, but. Cause I've been in the same boat, you know, I've been behind the bars myself and, uh, you know, a lot of us have for this plan in, in one form or another or something else. And, uh, I've met a lot of people and, you know, and, and when they say, Hey, you can't do nothing because of marijuana, the old the, or cannabis, like they used to say, and you look at people such as yourself and myself and other companies we've had on here that have spent 15 or 20 years behind and and they're, and they're running a successful company. It, it, it speaks for itself, you know, and, you know, I'm impressed with what you do. Definitely. And, um, I guess with that being said, you know, the next question that comes with smoking that we typically ask is, do you have a go-to munchie for when you, when you're feeling good? Like, some people like it sweet. Some people like it salty. Some people like, you know, donuts. I don't know. Whatever you like. Do you have a go-to for when you're feeling good? I have. I have a sweet tooth. I'll eat pretty much anything sweet, ice cream, uh, candy. I can't help it. Uh, it's bad. It's a bad habit. I'm trying. I'm working on it. Uh, hey, I'm in the same boat. My, my computer is getting low. My battery's okay. going to die soon. Sure, so sure. We probably Definitely. get this thing we should probably wrap up here pretty no soon. problem yeah. so we're gonna let you off the horn here and with that being said you know is there anything you want the audience to know and where can they find you at? yeah so i if you look at the screen right here if you uh, rust dot brandon you can find the body of my work there on instagram you can also uh go to instagram or Facebook and look up Bokashi Earthworks. That's B-O-K-A-S-H-I Earthworks, all one word. You can go to uh, BokashiEarthworks.com and there's humate fertilizers, microbes, there's amendments. Um, and we're going to be doing a lot of cool stuff in uh, 2023, a lot of educational content, a lot of, um, you know, informative videos on cultivation and things that you can do at home to grow. So it's going to be real fun and uh, people can tune in for that definitely i'll be checking that out because you've already inspired me enough that i want to know more so you've only hit the nail on the head so i'll be probably hitting you up with questions definitely but um yeah definitely with that being said we thank you for coming on the organically blunt show you have a great weekend and enjoy the rest of your night thanks thanks have a great night thanks for everybody that's tuned in bye bye
While the guys break down another blunt, let's give thanks to our partners. Captain Redbeard Seeds. Head on over to CaptainRedbeardSeeds.com and use coupon code ORGANICALLYBLUNT. SOFEM Genetics. Head on over to the unofficialgoodguys.com and use coupon code ORGANICALLYBLUNT. Green Wolf Genetics. Head on over to www.greenwolfgenetics.com and use coupon code ORGANICALLYBLUNT. Seedsman Seeds. Head on over to www.seedsman.com and use coupon code ORGANICALLYBLUNT10. Humboldt Seed Company. HumboldtSeedCompany.com. Use coupon code ORGANICALLYBLUNT. Organically Blunt Partners are our supporters of the Organically Blunt Show. These industry leaders help produce each show while consistently hooking up the Gromies with Organically Blunt-only discounts and deals. Promote your gear to the Gromies and sign up to be a partner of the show by emailing organicallyblunt at gmail.com. You've been listening to the Organically Blunt Show. Raw, uncut, and unfiltered. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Organically Blunt is available where you listen to podcasts. Apple, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Anchor.fm, Spotify, and YouTube. Be sure to tell a friend or two. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram at organicallyblunt or email us at organicallyblunt at gmail.com. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time on the Organically Blunt Show.